Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. And and we have... We have a guest today. We have a guest someplace. Last time I pointed the wrong direction, the, the, the <laughs> screen, but I think he's below me here, so... Uh, we're with, much effect going on. <laughs> we're with Matthew Eklund, Dr. Eklund, um, and he is a former Mormon missionary who is part of this new book. Corey Miller and Ross Anderson put together a book called Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. It actually goes through Preach My Gospel which is the guidebook that Mormon missionaries use in order to teach the Mormon gospel to converts. Um, Well, they're hoping to have converts to Mormonism. And the thing I love about this book is its specificity. Well, a couple of things. I love that people who wrote the book are former Mormon missionaries, not the two main guys, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the other authors are all, there are six former Mormon missionaries, now biblical Christians who understand exactly what they taught, and they give a biblical response to what Mormon missionaries taught. And Matt's chapter in this book is chapter five, which is the missionary lesson two. So if you're doing the missionary discussions, this would be your second lesson. And it's called the plan of salvation. Now, I have to laugh. We use this visual when we try to explain to Christians this um, Mormon plan of salvation. It's very different from the very simple Christian gospel. It starts with pre-mortal life. Um, then coming through the veil, then being born into a physical body, which is in Mormonism, your second estate where you have an earth life, where you prove yourself after the earth life, you're going to go either to spirit prison if you're not Mormon, or you're going to go to paradise if you are Mormon. And eventually there's going to be a white throne judgment where you are judged for your works in Mormonism and assigned either to the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, or the telestial kingdom. Or if you've been Mormon, had an LDS testimony, been to the LDS testimony, um, the temple, and then denied the Mormon church as true, then you go to outer darkness, which is the LDS equivalent of hell. Um, that that was quite confusing, I'm sure, but we're going to sort all of that out in this episode. The important thing to me is hearing the biblical response to this. What do you say to a Mormon missionary? How do you refute this with, with respect and scripture and kindness. And Matt has done a wonderful job in this particular chapter five of the book, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. So, Matt, let's get into this. Sorry, I was muted. Yes. Uh, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, really, our goal is to, for the whole book as a whole, is just to equip Christians for what to expect when a Latter-day Saint missionary comes to their door. Um, I found that to be particularly interesting to people outside of Utah, because if you're in Utah, 
most everybody probably has some idea of what they're going to say, but my my church that I attended in New York, uh, I brought I sent them a few copies uh, because they requested them, and they a lot of them have never even met Latter Day Saints or missionaries, and so they would have no clue as to what to expect. So this is kind of to to give them a uh, it's kind of like a, a primer on what they're going to hear from a Latter Day Saint missionary and and the biblical response. And what what I appreciate uh, overall, in my opinion, is that we all have different kind of personalities, and I've people I've talked to who have read the book have said the same thing. Uh, I came at, at it as more of kind of a, <laughs> for better or worse, maybe a cold analytical kind of side. My my idea was like, okay, um, there's a lot to talk about with the plan of salvation. And my original draft was like over two or three times bigger than the final draft. <laughs> so there's a lot I had to cut out because there's so much you can talk about with the plan of salvation. It's, it's huge. It's a huge topic. There's a lot of depth. And so, I wanted to just give, okay, here's what they're going to tell you. And here's what the Bible says about it. And, you know, I not cold in a sense that it's without testimony because I believe I gave my testimony in there, but I wanted to just make the facts plain just say, okay, here, I'm giving it to you straight and you can deal with it as you wish. And, and um, the idea is just to, to share clear biblical truths to, in response to the LDS message. And I find many Christians are afraid to talk to Mormons. They think Mormon missionaries are experts and that they know their faith really well. Well, certainly, even if they're experts in the Mormon faith, they do not understand the biblical gospel and anything you're going to familiarize them with from the Bible will might very well be new to them. And so someone trying to witness to Mormon missionaries does not have to know Mormonism necessarily. You just have to know your own story, your own testimony, um, and your own scriptures, because a lot of that will will be new to a Mormon missionary. You know, it's it's interesting here. I I just, uh, I printed this out just for fun. I, I know the LDS Church has changed everything you know the gospel keeps changing in the LDS (laughs) but this is what used to be for years and years years was the plan of salvation and this is lesson whatever lesson it was number two number three it's like 16 pages here (laughs) explaining Mm -hmm. the plan of salvation and Matt you probably recognize this when you were on your mission uh uh, going exactly and it's it's interesting I look down through here and just to help people understand this this is the uh, the scriptural scriptures that they give people. Um, we have First Nephi uh, ten, First Nephi nineteen, Second Nephi two, Second Nephi nine, Second Nephi thirty one through thirty three, Mosiah two, Mosiah twelve, Alma five, Alma seventeen, thirty four, thirty six, forty forty two, Hillman third uh, Nephi, uh, and so forth. Moroni seven and eight, Moroni ten. Um, and a book about the living Christ. But there was not one verse from the Bible <laughs> that they had explaining their plan of salvation. So, Matt, take it from here um, and kind of explain how you uh, are analyzing this in your book uh, so the Christians can hear this. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, we we were each asked to start off with kind of like a personal experience or a testimony. And so I kind of used an experience I had on my mission where um, 
we're always trying to think of new ways to get people's attention, to grab their attention, to get them to talk to you. And so there was one experience where I remember just being like, you know, I'm just going to be bold, whatever. I'm just going to say something. And, you know, because we're so used to people passing us by, you know, not paying any attention to us. So I went to a young woman who's probably in her uh, early 20s. And I said, did you know that you are a child of God? And she just like abruptly stopped. And she says, what? Well, you're a child of God? Why, why? You just tell a random stranger? You just go up to random strangers and tell them that? Um. We, we, we ended up not being able to teach her because there was conflicts and things like that. But but just the fact that she just abruptly stopped and that that message just like completely stopped her in her tracks, um, I think is a good way to kind of start my chapter because there are things that LDS will teach you about the nature of our lives here on earth and before earth that are very convincing or they're very attractive. This idea, mm-hmm. um, it starts off not with when we're born on earth, but LDS believe that we were created uh, well, organized spiritual children of Elohim, which is the name of God the Father in, in the LDS faith. God the Father and God the Mother. So the Father has a wife. And we were all organized into spirit children and we lived with God before we come to earth. And so, um, like I said, there's so much you could talk about, but I tried to be concise in the book to share what the differences are between what LDS believe and what we believe. So I wanted to just uh, explain as best as I could that God had us in his presence. He presented a plan to come to earth and if we showed ourselves faithful and true and obedient on earth, then we could return to live with him with exalted celestial bodies, uh, physical bodies that are resurrected. And if we were not faithful, we would go to a lesser kingdom. So, um, and there was the war in heaven where the the devil and his angels, they rejected that plan and they wanted a plan of their own. So there was this war and those who warred against Christ were cast out. The rest of us came to earth. And so uh, again, like I, I tried to share as much as I could to be truthful and honest with, with what the LDS believe in the plan of salvation, but also uh, also very clear as to why it's not biblical. And that's where it very first starts. Like I, I explain it kind of like an analogy. When you, when you believe in the LDS view of the pre-mortal life in, with heaven, where we're all literal spiritual offspring in some sense of God, that that's a ripple effect that affects every single thing else that you believe about why we're here and where we're going and what's the point of our existence. So when you start off on the wrong foot like that, then it it affects everything else. All right. So where does that take us? So then that leads us to, uh, to earth where we're born to parents and Historically, there used to be an idea that if you're you were more righteous in the premortal life, that you would be born to LDS parents, uh, or you would have access to the gospel. And if you were less righteous in the premortal life, then you would not have access to the gospel. But I think they've kind of toned that down a little bit, like this idea of righteous premortal righteousness leading to greater blessings here. I don't think they emphasize that as much anymore. So I don't think I really focused on that in the book. But um, so we come here, we come to Earth, we're sinners, and we need a savior. So they believe that. Um, there is overlap between what LDS believe and what we believe that's not completely different. You know, they believe we need a savior. So we agree on that point. And uh, they, so God, the father sent his son, Jesus Christ to the earth to die for our sins. However, a big departure as well from the atonement of Christ is that the LDS focus on how we are, that the part of Christ's atonement was the bleeding in the garden of Gethsemane. So they believe that he died for our sins in the garden of Gethsemane. And it's because of that, that we can be forgiven and, and cleansed. Uh, whereas in Christianity, the focus, and I've tried to point it out in the book, is Paul's emphasis, all the emphasis in the scripture is on Christ's death, his 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 death on the cross for our sins. 
and that how his resurrection is the hope of our resurrection, the hope of, of the promises that God made for us, that that was a confirm, that was a confirmation of that Christ did die for our sins and he came back as a resurrected Lord and Savior. So this emphasis on not just the cross, which, which LGS do believe Jesus died on the cross for our salvation, but this emphasis on the Garden of Gethsemane um, is an extra biblical addition to, to the gospel. So those who, they believe that those who believe in Christ, but also that receive the ordinances of baptism, uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost by laying out of hands on your head, by one with priesthood, um, uh, receiving the temple ordinances that we've, we've kind of discussed in previous parts and enduring to the end, which means basically following the prophets, you know, abstaining from coffee and tea and alcohol, all of the laws and ordinances of the gospel, as they call it. If you follow all that, then you can return to live with God again. Um, so that's that's the reason why we're here in the LDS thought. But, but not necessarily uh, God the Father, right? It depends right, upon right. what you've earned. You'll be assigned either to the highest, the middle, or the lower kingdom. Right. And and another thing to emphasize too is the the big difference is that they don't just hope to be with God again. They're, the LDS Church specifically says that if you are faithful to the teachings and, and uh, the ordinances, laws and ordinances of the gospel, as they call it, including eternal marriage in the temple, if you keep all those covenants, then you will be with your with your spouse and your children in heaven. And so that's something that's very different that Christians encountered as well, because we don't, if you just look at the Bible, I don't think there's any guarantee in there that you will be with your family in heaven. You know, the, the only family that's it really speaks about is God's family, that we're not born we're not by birth or by nature children of God. We are by adoption uh, through grace added to God's family. And it's that family that we will be with in heaven. So they have a, t uh, in a sense, they have a totally different hope or a totally different outlook for what they hope to achieve. They hope to have their children and spouse with them in heaven. And, and I'm not saying I wouldn't like to have my wife with me in heaven, but it's a different relationship. You, you know, we will be, we'll be all part of the family of God in heaven. We're, we're not going to continue to be spouses in heaven and to produce spirit offspring as as many latter-day saints hope to do so when we, that's kind of the frustrating thing when we went when we talk with christians who who see lds as just another form of den, or denomination of christianity or they're just you know slightly different beliefs there's huge differences in terms of who god is why we're even here what they hope to receive in the afterlife so i, I kind of try to point those out um in the book um another big difference too is the spirit world so after we die, whether we were obedient or not, LDS believe that you go to a spirit world and those who were um, believers in Christ and believers in the gospel, uh, that they will go to paradise and those who were disobedient will be in outer darkness, or sorry, not outer darkness, uh, prison, spirit prison. And there are missionaries in the paradise. So there's missionary work still going on in the spirit world. So spirits, LDS spirits who are faithful, who die and go there, will preach the gospel to those in prison. And if they accept the LDS gospel, they will go from prison to paradise. And that's kind of a waiting area, the spirit world until the, the final judgment of Christ and the resurrection. Whereas uh, Dr. Wilder, you explained very well how we will be consigned to our eternal, uh, eternal place, whether it's the celestial kingdom with God and our families and the highest, the highest division in that kingdom is exaltation and Godhood, the terrestrial kingdom, which says it is, that is the place where those who were not valiant in the testimony of Jesus or those who were, who lived uh, good moral lives on earth, but did not accept Christ. And then the telestial kingdom is the lowest kingdom where 
it's still a kingdom of glory, but it's the lowest kingdom where murderers and, and all kinds of sinners go who had no desire, no morality to know, no, no desire understanding of Christ. But as you said, there's also outer darkness, which a lot of times missionaries won't bring up because, you know, that's not a good selling point. <laughs> uh, it's, it's for people. And, and there's disagreement amongst LDS as to who actually goes there, whether it's faithful LDS who went to the temple, who reject the, the LDS gospel will go there. Or it, some say, you know, they quote Joseph Smith where it says you have to have, it's like seeing the sun and saying it's not there. So you have to have a perfect knowledge, whatever that means of mm-hmm. the gospel and then reject it, which means maybe you have to have seen Jesus personally, or uh, maybe some say also you have to have received the second anointing and reject the, the faith. And then that's what merits eternal darkness or, or you know, outer darkness. So hopefully, uh, sorry, sorry to keep going on, but I try to give as fast as a, a summary of the plan of salvation as I could. And hopefully Christians will be able to read the book. And if they have questions that can kind of help, help to fill in the gaps. Wow. That, that, that's, pretty, that's confusing because I'm looking here and you spoke earlier about Romans and mm-hmm. this is what Paul has to say in um, chapter 10, verse nine. This is about his version of the plan of salvation. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. That's that's a lot easier than these uh, so-called 20 other pages of trying to figure it out plus verse after verse after verse. It's the, the plan of salvation, the true plan of salvation is much easier <laughs> than the Mormon plan of salvation. It gets quite complex and uh, right. and and actually involves, you know, in you've got to do all these things. You've got to do all these works. You've got to be doing this and this and this, which again, there's scripture after scripture in the Bible that com- conflicts the Mormon's plans of salvation. Just, you know, reading Galatians and going to, you know, uh, Galatians chapter 2, uh, 21, where uh, Paul states, you know, um, that, um, uh, what did he say? <laughs> uh, I lost As my train of thought. I there. do not frustrate the I do not, of right, God for right. righteousness righteous comes by works by of the, the law, then Christ died, in, died vain. in vain. Yeah, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For mm-hmm. if righteousness comes by the works of the law, then Christ died in vain. So if righteousness comes by our works, then what's the function of Jesus atoning for our sins and dying for us? Because we are doing it for ourselves. Either Christ did it for us or we do it for ourselves. And that's two ways. And there's no way we can save ourselves. Only God can save us. So, absolutely. Yeah, and how can someone be saved to the celestial or the bottom kingdom if they don't confess Jesus as Savior? Right? Again, the Bible's real clear about that that point that that is how one gets saved i want to make the point here that right in that missionary guidebook preach my gospel the definition of eternal life is living with your family in the next life so that is mormon's hope that they might get to the highest heaven and the highest point of the highest heaven where they can live with their family forever very different hope than what Christians have. So that's another uh, point I want to make up. 
that Christians need to use the term eternal life when they're talking to Mormons because eternal life is different than salvation. (laughs) And all of those things are convoluted and confusing. But if you stick to the term eternal life or exaltation, then you're talking more more the same from Christian to Mormonism. And that's what we often do. suggest people point. stick to those terms yeah sometimes sometimes to elucidate or to to make it clear to lds what i'm saying when i talk about salvation i also will say um my hope for the fullness of the presence and blessings of god the father because they believe that you can be in the celestial kingdom uh even in the presence of god the father but um, if you're not truly faithful to all your temple blessings, you won't be exalted. You won't receive eternal life, as you said, the highest division in that kingdom. So mm-hmm. I, I try to make it clear, not just eternal life, and I think that does does speak to most LDS, but to make it even clearer, I try to say, what do I need to have the fullness of the blessings and presence and fellowship mm-hmm. with God the Father? Yeah, because that that's that that's every you know that's I'm like what what's I want I want everything that I want to be in complete communion with God. I don't want to have to see, you know, be in communion with God, but see him from a mile away. I want to be next to him. I want to be with him, you know. So, uh, yeah, the terminology issue is a really hard thing to, to nail down when first trying to witness to Latter-day Saints. Yeah. How, do you ever address with them the whole idea of God having a physical body and being confined to one space and one time and then each family having their own world in the next life and how how physically is that going to work right um yeah we've, i'm we've sorry a it's couple... not a good thing to talk to mormon missionaries about <laughs> but it's certainly something that stirred my brain when i got saved yep yeah yeah we've we've done a couple episodes with uh, aaron shafawalaf uh, i'm sure you know him he's yeah. a great guy uh and he he talked about a uh, mormon exaltation dilemmas you know what uh, how to you know different ideas if you take them to their logical conclusions you know if if uh, God the Father has a father above him and we hope to have children just like him, you know, then uh, then this cycle continues. Well, what if you're the God that gave birth to you is younger than another God that gave birth to someone? So, you know, there's kind of like a seniority in terms of amongst the gods even. And so there's there, there's a lot of weird things you can get into if you think about it. But I think a lot of Latter-day Saints don't think about it or they say it's not important or we'll learn in the next life. Um they, they, they kind of just chalk it up to mystery, but but I think it is some important things to think about to consider. Yeah, because well, they don't know, make logical sense, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the whole concept. Uh, what what Lynn was talking about is that, um, you know, for example, you know, Lynn and I were married in the temple, and we were sealed there, and we would die, and if we lived progress properly that we would eventually, I would be able to become a God of my own world. But then my children, if they were righteous enough also, would become a God of their own world. So there's someplace else in the universe. And I'm over here with Lynn uh, in the universe. And But then I start having my own spirit children to feed down to another world or uh, uh I, we don't use the term earth, but world. And, you know, I always thought, well, gee, you know, if I want to go see my children who's on another world, I'm going to have to get in my intergalactic conversion van and travel through the universes to visit them on Christmas and New Year's and Easter and so forth. 
In other words, when you break it down, you know, so many times Mormon women, they're always talking about, I want to be with my family. I want to be with my family. But the whole concept of what Mormonism is teaching is that you're not going to really be with your own family. You're going to create a new family hmm. and your current family is going to progress someplace else. I mean, it's this. Hmm. that's that's the breakdown. So, so how is it logical when you start analyzing this that it's just not the same? And the, and the fact is, you know, in the plan of salvation, how the LDS degrades Jesus by making him our older brother. When you think right. about that, that makes Jesus a created being. And the Bible does not state that Jesus is a created being. That's a huge error in doctrine that even implies that, that Jesus is a created being. He is not a created being. He created all things, as you read in the writings of Paul. Uh, so well, it's, it's totally different than what we believe. So we're, right. we're down to the last couple of minutes. So... Um, Matt, speak to Christians who would like to witness to Mormon missionaries. What in particular, one or two really important things you think they should know about this plan of salvation? Okay, thank you. Yeah, so I think uh, what's very important to know is that they believe that they are just as Christian as you are and that you just believe slightly different things. So you really have to go back to even to lesson one and explain to them or show them through scripture who God is. Um, he's not like us. He's they LDS believe that we're the same species as God, but God isn't like us. He's completely singular. There's no other being like him in the universe. So if, if you can try to help them understand just how superior and transcendent God is and how much different he is. And that explains the miraculous reason for why Christ became man, you know, God became man. That's such a miraculous thing because God isn't man. We're, we're two different kinds of beings. So they have to understand who God is and, and they have to understand who Christ is again, that he's, he's not our spirit brother. He is the eternal God, God, the son, the second member of the Trinity. And he came and took on flesh to, to die for the sins of, uh, of sinners so that we can uh, return to live with God again. And the promise is not that to families, the promise is to God's family, to believers, to those who trust in Christ. And I think those are the most important things, who, who God is, who Christ is, and what the gospel is, what, what we hope for, what, what we're really being saved from, and where we're being saved to, and what our eventual home will be. And I think those are the things we really need to focus on. We can get into like minor issues. You know, I didn't even get into Adam and Eve and the fall, but there's a lot of different things that I go in the chapter as well. But we need to really focus on those three things. Well said. Wow. And we point you to chapter five of the book, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. You can get it on Amazon or on the website, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. Um, thank you, Matt, for telling us your story and for giving people encouragement that Mormon missionaries, even when they return from their Mormon missions, um, can rethink these things, get into the scripture, find the God of the Bible, and find salvation. Grace and peace to you. Until next time. Thank you, Matt, and may God bless.